When it got to on earth as in heaven, it would repeat those two lines while the rest of the prayer was going on. While that happened, my the vibrations came, my body was lifted um, into the air and I was freaking out because <laughs> it was light and I could feel losing gravity. Turned over, placed back down and while it was being placed down, I felt all these million, millions of fingertips working on my knee and I was petrified. Beautiful, but petrified because I was totally awake. So I was in an insane mind, if you like, mortal consciousness, uh -huh. where this is, this is crazy, this, is, this, is, this shouldn't be happening. Even though I had all those astral experiences, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't tempered by being in astral state. So I, I, I aborted, I screamed, but I was still. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive. So great to be with you again got another fascinating person to introduce you to today an Aussie no less yay Greg Greg Doyle is a uh, former professional classical musician and he's the author of Awaken the Giant Within a personal adventure into the astral realms which details his experiences in the astral world Greg first discovered meditation primarily to combat his stage fright. And in 1999, he awakened to a reality of the phenomena of the astral projection. This was a life-changing experience for him, which we're going to go into, that expanded his consciousness, changed the course of his career, and altered the very perception of being at a fundamental level. He's experienced many other worlds or astral worlds, including ET dimensions and spiritual realms. And he holds astral travel workshop meditation classes and offers healing sessions as a Reiki master in Brisbane. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Now, uh, you've shared your story a, a few times on the internet, but not too many. So for people who haven't seen you, I know you were up uh, in... Um, on the Gold Coast at the Paradigm Shift last year, was it? Last year? year before, the first year it was on, I think. Yes, it was. Sharing um, your, your story and people, if they want to go to that, they can go to the Paradigm Shift YouTube channel and you can see Greg sharing his story there. But, you know, what I love about your story, a couple of things. Um, you know, Cyrus Kirkpatrick, who helped me put together the book Awakened by Death, he put his chapter in the book. He's an astral traveler as well. I, I call you guys deliberate astral travelers because I've done plenty of astral traveling, but I can't do it deliberately. Not that I know of. I mean, maybe I need to come and do your courses and you can <laughs> teach me how to do it or uh, do I want to do it? Maybe it's not in my life plan to do that. Maybe I've got to be grounded here. I don't know. There's like a million questions. I've got a million questions. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear your story. I've heard Cyrus's, you know, adventures in astral realms, but you seem to have a more expansive, broader perspective of places that you've been over there. So would you like to start with how it happened? Obviously, you weren't asking for it. You were just meditating for stage fright. Exactly. I think that was probably kind of the primer, wasn't it? I'd sort of been meditating for a while since my 20s really just to be more relaxed i thought it was amazing that you could um 
just be quiet. <laughs> and I had a pretty frantic, you know, probably creative mind, probably, you know, musicians. So for me, for me, discovering meditation was enormous. I remember just thinking, wow, why doesn't everyone know about this? Just to be, and I, I got obsessed. I remember um, like waiting in shops for things and just sort of relaxing my body and, and feeling the tension leave me. And I, I really became conscious then that we kind of hold a lot of tension within our body. I was fascinated with that concept. And I think if you think about it, astral travel is kind of releasing the body. So it makes sense yeah. then that, that even though I'd never heard of astral travel and when it first started for me, it was, um, it was a spontaneous thing. I remember a light came, look, I say it kind of almost flippantly now, but it was amazing. I remember this light came into my forehead. Um, it seemed to wake me up as in I became, con I became awake, but my body was asleep. And then it invited me down like a wormhole to another planet. And it, and it was very heart uh, filled me with heart energy. And it, in the beginning, even though the experiences were like seeing amazing things and, and meeting amazing people, I was just so um, genuinely interested in the actual phenomenon of what was happening to my body. I didn't know it was astral travel at that stage. You know, I was living overseas. I was living in Europe. I had no idea what was going on. But I knew it was huge because when I, was, when I would have these experiences, I'd come back with ecstatic tears. I, I felt bigger than this reality, felt more real. And even though I wasn't consciously on a spiritual path, it kind of, you know, shoveled me on that path, if you like, <laughs> you know, but it was, yeah, it was so beautiful when it started. The whole thing was so beautiful. You know, I, I often think that um, in some way, even when we're not conscious of this, we're asking for it. And uh, I was speaking to a friend the other day who's remarried this girl who's totally into spiritual stuff and he was never into it. He was really quite skeptical. And I said, you know, were you reaching out for it? And he said, no. And I said, well, what are you asking for? And he said, well, happiness. I guess I was asking for happiness. It was that, were you the same? You were asking for to obviously overcome stage fright and you're asking for um, peace maybe sort of. What were you asking for? I just think that these things don't just happen to us. We kind of summon them. That's a great question. Um, and I'd only thought of this, funnily enough, kind of recently. I think uh, I remember at the time, you know, I had a feeling in my life, is that all there is? Right. Okay. That's a good Now that's a question. That's, that's a summon. Is that all there is? That is definitely asking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what I had. I remember, um, Oh, like I had a friend in the end that, that a friend would have been a kind of a good catalyst really. But, you know, um, oh, I think um, quite um, looking back, um, you know, a consumer kind of oriented people. Um, and it was just kind of like, that's the dream. I don't know. It was just a feeling of, okay. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, what a strange thing to feel. I remember having a dream not long before, uh, my first astral experience where I was with a group of people. It was a dream. It was, uh, it was kind of a lucid dream mm. where I knew I was dreaming. And I remember there were like these Indian men there and um, a friend who I knew her went to meditation classes at the time. And, um, and there was a golden ring. Uh, we were sitting around this golden ring mm. and they were sort of talking about me. And they said, can you put your consciousness into the, into the ring? And I put myself into the ring. 
and in the dream and i felt this i heard this beautiful music it was like you know harp music i'd have to say and it was like in this void of which i've often been asked to this kind of um, nothingness and that was kind of a precursor i remember after that experience thinking wow that was really beautiful and it was somehow more beautiful than the profession of classical music i don't know i loved music but i, I just was feeling probably a bit uh, perhaps i'd always been a naive kind of person so i was feeling a bit jaded by certain structures you know um right. yeah but it's a really good question and, and that's that was definitely there this big kind of question mark following me around yeah is that all there is <laughs> is this is this all there is yeah. is this it there's a movie made like that you it? know i spoke to garnet schulhauser who's had many um astral adventures his spirit guide basically takes him out of his body and flies him around and ta like he's guided all the way like he's got he it's Albert's agenda. Albert is the spirit guide. Garnet is the person, human being. And, um, and he writes books about it. But I asked him the same question. He was a corporate lawyer and he said, yeah, I had many questions, you know, like about life, love and the universe that weren't answered until, until Albert turned up. So we do summon these things, you know, we do ask. And I think uh, life or spirit or God or the universe or higher self comes to answer those questions. So, so you had the dream before you had astral experiences of being the golden ring, putting your consciousness, because that's what I've experienced. Lots of dreams which have been astral, but I can't do what you you can do. Um, when did you know that you could do you could deliberately astral travel? Like how often were you taken on these experiences before you knew you had control over it? Well, I, I agree with you, like this notion of it being guided, like in the beginning, and, and I think it was my third experience or early on I met these guides. Um, right. And this woman has continued to age in human years. They were the kind of ex-humans. <laughs> and she would tell me techniques. But I think, um, like, in the beginning, I, I, like, it was a beautiful experience the first time. But I remember the very second night I lay down and the light came again. I wasn't even asleep. You know, I closed my eyes and there's this light in my, in my forehead going, you know, like this streaming light. And I'd open it and it'd be gone and I'd close it and it'd be there. And I remember freaking out. Like, I thought, what's going on? And then... I had a lot of experiences where I was taken out. Um, like I had my guides tell me things about myself and ask me why I was sad. And I remember these, these questions they'd give to me would sort of come into my body and kind of ripple through me. And uh, it was very guided. And I, I got a, a, there's a lot of ET stuff where I'd meet, I'd see myself in past lives and I'd see aliens and I realized I was, and I wasn't into that. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of um, really tripping out in the beginning. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just going to quiz you on this because this was fascinating. Yeah. You've, you've actually said this in another talk, but you had yeah. like a, you know, past life review almost. Do you want to tell us what happened there? Because that was fascinating. I will. And it ties into what you're saying about this notion of being guided mm -hmm. even by a higher self, because in this right. particular one and in many experiences, I feel myself um, coming out of body. So what happens is often before dawn is when it normally happens. I start right. to feel vibrations and I think, okay, it's coming. And I become very lucid. My mind becomes very lucid. Then I heard my own voice say, I want to see me. Mm. And then all of a sudden I see me uh, in front of me. And I got quite a shock because it was me as I was then, you know. And um, then I, there was a slideshow and I got younger and I had this, all this wind in my ears. And often in the astral, you get this astral, what they call astral wind in the ears. A slideshow. And as I got younger, the eyes stayed in the same place. Then there was a baby, then it was gone. And I remember there was this, um, 
there was this Chinese Mongolian guy, um, very old. I can still see him so clearly. All of my memories in the astral are, are kind of etched in a, in, a, in a memory that is more real, if you like, than, than this reality. Anyway, same thing. He gets younger and younger and younger and the eyes are in the same place. And there's an African medicine man, kind of a youngish guy in his 30s. He also gets younger, becomes a baby. And then there's this alien, very long head, really weird background. And I, and I freak out um, because when he confronted, even though I knew that this is okay, even though the whole thing felt so uber real that I was going, it's okay, this is okay, this is okay. Then when the, the alien popped up, uh, I remember, I remember uh, aborting the astral experience, which you can do whenever you want, just right. want to wake up. And then I heard a voice say intermission, um, which is kind of funny. I know, it's hilarious. It is. <laughs> But, you know, I hadn't been into the, the, the whole past life. And then um, not long after that, someone said to me, um, who I trusted to tell this experience, say, Greg, I think that was a past life regression. And once again, I felt this energy ripping through me, like it's really strong ripple of energy. And it was like my system knew that's what it was. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, that could be the case. It yeah, was you got a conf body confirmation. A knowing, yeah, body yeah. confirmation. Body knowing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that whole experience was guided by um, a voice that appeared like mine, Right. I've heard it many times and I would call my higher self because he seems to be a high realized self who knows more about things than I do consciously. And he was speaking directly to, through me or to me through like a resonator. Um, often hear his voice. And um, once again, he once showed me my death as well. He said, I want to see my own death. And in this lifetime. Time, in this lifetime. He showed I, you that? Yeah. Wow. That was interesting. And these are, as I said, I was interested in the phenomenon and, I'm, I'm kind of getting to answer your question of why I started to control it. I sort of felt in the beginning, I felt I was going a bit mad. Right. Because this was so real. I'd come home and because of the ecstatic nature of the States, I was very uh, unpresent in this reality. I remember my girlfriend who started, who's my wife now, but she said at the time, Greg, you're not very present, you know, and uh, I'd come home and I just meditate. I just think I want to go out of body. Now, generally the out of body experiences would happen at night. So I found that when I meditated during the day, at night I go out of body. So then someone handed me a book. It was in Austria at the time. It was called Soul Travel. And that was pretty much, and then that aimed toward, little by little I realized I was astral traveling. I never heard of astral traveling. Mm -hmm. And then I heard that, you know, um, if you imagine being out of the body, um, you could get out in this reality, which is what I started to do. So I just kind of wanted to have a semblance of control of this. And I found you could. Not always, but you could set up trips. You could set up. So... When you do go into that hyper-lucid state, I wanted to have an intention with me. So I found that if I, um, like I found myself once meditating on a planet um, that was very far away. And it was the most beautiful experience, this feeling of um, utter um, stillness and kind of this, this the, my mind was like a, like a pinprick of, of focus rather than a scattered focus. So when, when, when I come back into the body, I noticed how, my systems would alter. I noticed this fear of um, death, fear of loss. Um, my mind would start to fracture. Um, absolutely fascinating. And in this state, when you, when you meditate in the astral, there's no fracturing. So it's, it's what I realized is like in the astral, um, off, I would often, when people were speaking to me, my, my guides or whatever, I'd, I'd force my physical eyes open. And so I'd wake up fully and their voice would speed up. And I realized that in the astral, it was beyond time. Whereas in this reality, we, we tend to grab at time and hence the fracturing of the mind. 
because we, we get very present like in a meditation, but as soon as we realize we're present, we start to lose that presence. It seems to be a byproduct of, of being in a time continuum. That, that's my feeling. It's uh, interesting stuff. Oh, it's fascinating. Okay, there's a couple of things <laughs> that you've said that oh, I've heard elsewhere. You know, a lot of what you say to, I've heard Esther Hicks talk about, but you've actually experienced what she's talking about, and I'm like, cool. But um, in Garnet's book too, he, uh, he was on the astral plane and he saw this, I think it was a monk who was meditating, and he said, why are you meditating? You're not in a physical body. Don't we just need to do that, you know, here? And he goes, well, no, you know, you can actually do it, meditate over there to gain more mm, control, awareness. I don't know. Like it's not just a physical thing to meditate. So you were meditating in your astral body as well to gain more control, were you? To, 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 to gain more lucidity. And you're spot on. I can even feel that in my body. I, I once had, um, this French monk who I went to the astral and he was chanting and I'm thinking, okay, why am I seeing this? I thought, Ken, does he know I'm here? I, you just don't know sometimes when there's someone in front of you in the dark chanting. And then I, I remember at the end, he looked at me with his eyes and I remember thinking, um, it was after then that I started to meditate in the astral. I don't know. It's sort of, um, also hearing the om, like when you go into the void, this very dark space, um, the first time I was there, I heard this tremendous om, this low A-U-M sounding om. I was so low, yeah. And it was, um, wow. I remember being kind of freaking out, but at the same time, because I was kind of an intrepid kind of person in that I'm just interested in the phenomenon once again, not so much the spiritual significance, particularly the beginning, just the phenomenon itself. I just stuck around and it was just mind-blowing. So, um it seems that it's a great place to meditate <laughs> because you, you bring, well, what I've realized is this, um, like we can use mantras to go over to the, to, to take them into the astral as well. So here it's a kind of a pretty fractured reality. And I found that if I repeat a mantra over and over, then the whole idea is that when I fall asleep, I take um, even just a semblance of that mantra over into the, the non-logical realms. So this is what we call the logical realms what I call the insane logical realms <laughs> into the sane non-logical realms okay, yeah. where we don't have rules and regulations of gravity and all this kind of stuff. And where we're uninhibited and where we're, it's unconditional. So, so I, when I've got to take a mantra, I'll just say the mantra again and again. And I hope even if it sort of slides and gets mushy, then I hope that to take a little bit, then it gathers a momentum. So that when you fall asleep, you take some of that momentum with you. And it's a little bit like astral exercises. You st- you learn to, um, like this astral body to start to, even in the beginning, to pretend like a momentum of movement so that like a metronome going back and forward. And then when you go into the astral, you take, you might, that momentum may just wake you up. So it is about gaining lucidity, all about gaining lucidity. Uh, and what I mean that is, I mean, personally, I see this lifetime as, as um, wishing to, um, I wake up so that I don't, um, I know that the whole karmic story, we don't have to come back into that. The whole, um, duality thing. We don't have to, because you, when you, when you experience the, the unconditional so often you realize that this is, this is the, the conditional is an, is an illusion. It is yeah. an illusion. Right. And, um, so therefore I see each day as preparation for the mini death at night. So each yeah. day I'm like a question mark thinking, am I awake now? 
so that at night I'm going to, uh, that momentum of asking myself the question, am I awake, will often make me lucid because I'll be in a dream and I think, am I awake now? Oh, I'm dreaming. Okay, okay. Let me see if I can understand this or put it in a way that makes a little more sense. So, so what you're saying is that when you cease to see this reality as your reality and you start to reframe it as the dream, then you have more lucidity when you fall asleep at night and you're in an astral realm. So all astral travelers say the same thing or near-death experiences, that the other realms are more real than this realm. This feels like the dream. So for people who have not had astral experiences or, okay, we all have them, but don't remember them yeah. uh, or NDEs, we kind of find that hard to understand that this is the dream and that's the reality, right? We can conceptualize it. We can intellectualize it. But to have that experience of it, I suppose you have that experience of it when you have an astral projection, right? You do, and and it's almost you could almost reframe it as the a greater reality. It's a greater like, reality. It's a greater reality. So how I feel is because, um, and also evidenced by the fact that I hear my higher self speak to me, who seems to know more about things than I do. <laughs> so that's the feeling that I have. The feeling is wanting to pull me through into lucidity, what I call lucidity or wakefulness, or enlightenment, if you like. And so by the same token, I feel that. I feel I'm wanting to pour my dream figures because I'm fascinated with the, the, what happens when we fall asleep. I'm fascinated with that notion. So like we, when, if you watch what happens when we fall asleep, we tend to fracture into characters or little dramas. And if you think of this reality, it's very much a drama reality where people react to things and where the, the illusion or the mainstream is often triggering our emotional bodies into reacting in some way. Yeah, yeah. And so if you watch yourself when you fall asleep, we often characters we, we we take on certain characters we lose kind of our sovereignty of, of being and just sort of fracture into these once again the notion of being fractured in this reality so i see that um by waking your dream figures then your higher self which sees us as a dream figure starts to wake us as well so it really is you know it's funny because so many um indigenous cultures talk about the dream time and i can see where they're coming from so this is the dream time yeah. We think that that's the dream time, but this is okay. Uh, I've lost that. I had lost my train of thought. There was something I was going to ask you there about. Um, but why do you think of the question? I think the reason it's more real. I'll tell you why it's more real. Okay. Um, there are more colors. There are more. There's more dimension to things. There's more sound. You can see around things. You can. The intention of things comes clear when you meet beings. You tend to talk through the top of your head. So your um, intentions are known like i remember once i met with all these people who looked human but they weren't and, I, and when it and when they spoke on these issues i had no idea what they're talking when it might, came my turn, turn to talk i kind of the information came out of my head <laughs> and it was telepathic yeah. and it was like i could relax i thought oh i see they're able to kind of tune in to to the actual so i surprised myself with what i said yeah and I heard my words come out, but I didn't have to choose words or choose an angle. Or like choose I'm trying it. to now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So it's more we were, real. To me, that's more real. If we were communicating telepathically, I wouldn't have to remember. You'd go, oh, I've got it. <laughs> I know what yeah. you were thinking. Exactly. 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 <laughs> I know. It makes it a lot easier and, and a lot quicker. I mean, people will say, like even Susie was saying when I went to see her in Sydney the other day, who's one of the last people I interviewed, 
her ET connection, she says, you know, that when you speak to an ET, the an hour conversation that would we take that would take us an hour was like done like that because it's yeah. just like received. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then the conversation's finished. Right. That was quick. Next. Yeah, but, that's what um, people say often. Downloads because it's the feeling of very quick. It's um, so quick. Packet yeah. of information. A yeah, packet of information. So what I was going to ask is dream time. So. One of my frustrations is every morning I, or every night I go to sleep, I say, okay, I'm going to remember what I get up to. <laughs> I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember. And I rarely do. So yep. I'm doing something wrong. I have to do your course. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'll remember silly dreams, um, which I know are not astral experiences. So when we're asleep, there's a few things that can happen. Our subconscious mind, like that fractured part of us, that, um, that conditional part of us is playing out scenarios, which we often see as dreams or nightmares. And then there are other things that like, we literally are in different astral realms and there's many of them, right? There's just too many to even think about. And they, each one holds a different vibrational frequency. Some are denser than others. Some are more, I don't know, psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like there's just so many things that we can get. And, some of us are hanging out with our ET family or on ships or, you know, there's just so many things we can get up to at night. Like, yeah. do you want to talk about those different levels and what, what's a dream as opposed to an astral adventure? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, you're right. There's just so many adventures. And I think, um, you know, I think part of, part of our um, reason we're here is, we like stories. <laughs> we like to get to know ourselves through stories. And um, even though we know all the answers, we're wanting to uh, experience, um, I guess, the cosmos through this medium of three dimension and, and, and other dimensions. I mean, sometimes what I, what I find is there's so much stuff going on. I mean, in terms of the different dimensions going up, really it's a feeling of um, how realized you are. So if you're, if you're, when you get out of body or basically we're just, you're vibrating at a different rate, right? So, and if the lower fourth, um, fourth dimension or the lower astral dimension is where we often have the archetypes where, of fear, where people get out and they see a monster, like think of Grimm's fairy tales where people, you know, we're, we're sort of taught, we're almost programmed into these, these monsters out there. So, and they, they often do exist. And I think that we often take this um, um, resonance of fear with us and therefore we're met I like resonance. So when I'm, when I become lucid more and more, I, I, I don't try to control it so much. In the beginning, I try to control things, go and see things, you know, dinosaurs or whatever. And then I, um, by the way, they had feathers. <laughs> anyway, um, I found that um, more and more I would move through like bands of fear around the planet. And I really, I recognize them not to be my fears. So I just sort of, that feeling of moving higher and higher frequency to experience kind of bliss kind of thing. So even as an astral traveler, um, I'm still trying to get to this notion of um, a purest sense of, of what we are because each time you go there, you, you bring it back with you. So mm-hmm. I found this stillness, like often this place called the void where I first see the OM, where you sometimes see a spark of light in the distance and you kind of see that it's pre-manifest cosmos. It's quite amazing. You see the, I guess we're made of that. I guess we're made of that. So it's like the Akashic records. You often see the, the beginnings of creation. And, um, and I think that um, um, in, the, in the dreamscape, 
also this steering and control. Like often I, I wake up in dreams and I control the dream. Then I, then I realized, I was actually taught this in the astral. I, I'd just written this book, that book you mentioned before, uh, Awakening the Giant Within. And um, I was a bit curious as to how it would be received because I'd never really talked about my astral experiences. It had led me to do Reiki and start Reiki, but I'd never really come out on my astral experiences. And there were these two kind of guys, in this, and I was having a beautiful astral experience, about to fly over this kind of you know, lake of this sort of, it was like a, a gemstone lake. But um, these two guys were there, and I felt them to be antagonistic. And I thought, okay, I'll turn around and see what's going on. And they came toward me, and they started to destroy me. And as they did, I felt this incredible ecstasy. I'll never forget it. And they're looking at me really confused. And then I thought, okay. Next time I was in a dream state where there were antagonists, I allowed them to do what they wanted. Or if I was going to crash a car, I would allow myself to crash a car. And each time I'd feel this incredible ecstasy. And I realized, oh, wow, there's no need to have control. There's no need. There's no need. We can surrender and it's actually blissful. So I realized in terms of programming, you think of um, we come to this planet, little kids are sent to school to solve problems from the very beginning, we're taught problem solving. And so yes. that preempts the notion that, that life is a problem. Yes. What if it's not? <laughs> what if it's not? Ooh, that's so important what you just said. I, I'm just going to reiterate that. Okay, so even, all right, oh, so many things. So would you say that every dream is an astral experience? It's not just um, us playing inside our mind or is that, is that an astral experience? Well, it's, it's an aspect of our psyche. I think everything is an aspect of your psyche. So I think if you have things to work out in your dream, you, on a certain level, they're, they're unconscious issues that are being yeah. worked out, aren't they? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly when you start getting loose in the dreams, it's sort of pretty obvious then. There are certain antagonists, there's certain energy that you recognize in energy. So, so I see that the dream state as, as basically using dreams, once again, to wake up, to, to lose yeah, those views. to work out your stuff okay yeah. so um so what you're saying is it when even when you're in okay even okay here i am coming from a 3d perspective again thinking that yeah. that the astral is the dream and this is the reality yeah right. so when you're in an astral reality and you're perceiving it as your current reality and someone is threatening that reality like i'm going to beat you up or kill you and you release the illusion that this is a reality, you kind of like have a near-death experience. You kind of like die to that reality and go back to bliss. It's, that's what I heard in that statement that you were saying. So yeah. you die to the reality, and when you die to the reality, you just return to bliss. Like everyone who dies to this reality is returning to bliss unless they go through a few astral experiences before they get there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and, so, I, think the, I, think, I, think, and I think the whole karmic... Um, cycle we're in here on this planet it is we're in it we are in a karmic cycle is kind of um um it's fueled by this notion of of having to solve something or um an axe to grind in some yeah. way yeah. an axe to grind yeah yeah you know, and look at family particularly buttons emotional buttons with family so what what i've realized is that a lot of these uh, beings i met in the astral i've, I've met them um Oh, night after night, this group of, they looked human, but they weren't human. And, they, and uh, in the beginning, I thought they were cold hearted uh, because they didn't seem to have, and I realized they didn't have emotional bodies. And in fact, they weren't cold hearted at all. I, I came to really like them. And I realized that um, the emotional, uh, the, the human story is very much driven by emotions. And so emotions, I feel, 
exist to be healed. The emotional body exists to be healed. And, and we can't define it. If we, humans tend to define themselves wrongly by their emotions. So there's emotions and there's feelings. That's how I see it. Often in the astral, there's this incredible feelings of bliss. Or so once I was tackling this um, kind of monster in the astral night after night, and then I felt this wave of empathy for them, and then they transformed into radiance, and they said it's all the same, and I realized there's no evil. And it was like an incredible awakening. It wasn't an intellectual thing, but it was just a heart release. And... Um, in human realms, we tend to make decisions, intellectual notions of like a good person says this, feels this, this notion of good and bad once again, whereas there is just a release. So I would say feelings come from the non-conditional and, and kind of support us and are spontaneous. Uh, emotions are generally reactions to something, okay. therefore based on the conditional and our choices, so depending why? on our programming. What I'm hearing you say is um, that feelings are not conditional. So when you say you feel something, there's no judgment about it. I'm having a feeling. Yeah. And emotions are, a, you're defining it in the polarity of good and bad. So that's because really emotion and feeling is really the same thing, but there's two different, there's two different ways to perceive it. Like, I'm feeling angry. Oh, my God, I'm feeling angry. Isn't that great? I'm angry. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm angry and this is wrong. And then there's judgment. Yeah. There's judgment. I guess that saying it's good or bad is judgment, but just... It is. Well, if you think of it... The... Yeah, if you think of it even from the very beginnings, um, this concept of love we're taught, like, you know, to a child we say, um, you know, you, you, you're a good boy, you're a good girl, I'll, I'll give you my love because you're a good boy or a because good Because you're good, yeah. Okay, so that... That, We're that, marinating in conditional stuff down here. The game of polarity, the game of you right said it. and wrong. You yeah. said it. And that's from the very beginning. So to pull away from that and not... Um, so what I found is, and this is funny because once again, it was through kind of a need to be in the astral because I was so um, obsessed, I guess you could say, addicted to the astral. I found that if I was non-reactive in the astral, I could stay there longer. If I became very shocked or something, I would get pulled back into my body. And that was a sign to me, that's okay. interesting. So the body, the body seems to really react to that emotional impulse and you get pulled back in. Okay. Karmically, what does that say? Karmically, what does that say? This addiction that the body has to drama. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. the whole thing is to step out of the drama, to step out. And, and I found that I would, um, like a snowball, was a knock-on effect. I found I became less reactive in this in this three D reality anyway because of going out all the time. Because I was, I guess, so shocked or so amazed that then when someone said something that oh, isn't that terrible? This happened. I'd, I'd think to myself, to be honest, it doesn't really touch me. And that, oh, you're you're not very sympathetic, are you? I'd say I hope so. I'd hope I'd hope not to be sympathetic. How does sympathy help? You can be empathetic, and that could be, but to be sympathetic to a situation that is negative. Sympathetic is like vibrating at the same rate. Doesn't that build the, oh. the vibration of the... So sympathy versus empathy, all these things. And oh, don't tell me about it. Look, this is a conversation I have with my daughter all the time. She's completely convinced, and as most people are, that if you're not crying with someone who's sad, then you're not a nice person, right? And uh, I say, I've always said I don't do sympathy. Sympathy says you're a victim. Yeah. You're a victim of the circumstance. Poor you. Oh, let me cry with you. That's and right. empathy says, I know how that feels. I've been there. Let me show yeah. you how to get out of it. Yeah. Let me show you how to raise your vibe so you don't feel like that. Like, exactly. But she hates that. 
She's they like, hate it. I know that. And it's hard with family. What I found is I found I was quite, I, I got quite good at faux sympathy when people. <laughs> I know. I do faux sympathy too. Yeah, oh, poor baby. Isn't that terrible? The poor thing. Oh, poor Isn't thing. That, that's shocking. How appalling. Terrible. Can Terrible. You, are you kidding? <laughs> so they kind of sense something in you that you're not quite with you're not, it. You don't mean it. No. And they kind of look at you twice. And I think you're doing them a service in that way. So sometimes you've got to, yeah, look at the language that that person's coming from. And, and the faux sympathy, I know it's a bit of a cop out, but on many levels, it's what they want to hear. <laughs> I know. I've learned faux sympathy, let me tell you, because oh. not doing sympathy got me in so much trouble. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk about, like, <laughs> The question, the real question I have about all of this astral thing is how, I think you're answering that question, how does being out of body help us be in body? And I think that really that's the whole crux of this conversation. I think that you're answering it. You become less reactive. You become more uh, centred, less less swept up in the illusion, the delusion of emotion. You you can feel things, but you're not emotional. you know, you're, you're, not, you're not reacting emotionally. Yeah. You can feel anger or you can feel sadness or you can have empathy, but it's not who you are. It's just a feeling that you're experiencing that's, that's like passing through, right? It is. And Look, I tell you, I tell you, um, I still meditate to this day just to be um, kind of intimate and quiet with myself. I still really love that. So for me, that's kind of the happiest I am in this reality um, because in the beginning I did get very confused. I um, really had issues with this 3D reality until I, until the astral started to kind of interact with this reality. Like I had a, I had a, um, I know you're reading my book, but I'm not sure if I got into it, but I had this incredible um, astral experience in a waking state where the vibrations came and my body was lifted <laughs> and I had this knee that was, and it, and it was kind of healed by this really weird, and I was freaking out because I was totally awake and, my, and I heard my own voice um, speak, would you believe reciting the Lord's Prayer? What the? And every time I got to on earth as in heaven, it would repeat these, these things. And this is after I'd started a mantra. Um, when I'd injured my leg, I started a mantra saying, I deny the illusion of my injured knee and I give thanks. Okay. I want to slow you down because you're talking slow about me down. I'm running um, Okay, all right, all right. You had an injured knee mm. and you had the thought that the astral is real and this is the dream. I knew it to be. And in, okay, you, you have that knowing. And in that reality, you don't have an injured knee. So, you, so, so having that um, realization or experience. You're, what happened? How do we do okay. that? How, because you know, like your experiences is, is like, how can we, we, you know, everyone that's yeah. watching that, how can we do that? So we've got pain in our body or an injury or an illness. And um, I remember a friend of mine said the same thing. She had a, a cancer or something and she was supposed to have an operation and someone sort of pointed it out that it's just, it's not real. It's not real. Just think of it as not real and it'll go away. And yeah. it seems kind of simple, but it's, it's actually possible. It is actually possible. I think you've got to look at also, like when I said to some people, oh, you know, my mantra. I, so I took a mantra. I, I was lying there with my knee strapped up and I, I was really experimenting and really knowing at that stage that we had this template that was perfect. And, and I thought to myself, okay, I, you can use a mantra to go into the astral just by repeating it, by repeating it. So you take this um, focused intention and often that can do things. 
So I, my, my, my um, mantra was I deny the illusion of my injured knee and I give mm-hmm. thanks for my perfect health. And so I would say this, and I'm, I'm um, persistent, and I would say this every time I was awake. You know, when, you, when you're feeling a bit of pain, you're awake a lot. So I was saying this over and over again, falling asleep, waking up, saying it again and again. After dawn, nothing had happened. I thought, oh, well, failure. Now, this was interesting. It was after dawn. It was light. I was awake. And I remember turning onto my stomach. It was very difficult to turn on, onto this air mattress. And then the vibrations began like a boom or a really loud boom. I said to hear my own voice say the Lord's Prayer. As a little kid, I was brought up Catholic, but not practicing since the age of 10, maybe. I couldn't have recited the Lord's Prayer at that stage. I've since researched it. Interesting. <laughs> so I see the Lord's Prayer itself as a, as a mantra when said, from many earnest people and sent into the astral. It's a very strong, obviously it has a strong current. So um, every, and it was my own voice saying it. Then my own voice joined in again on top. When it got to on earth as in heaven, it would repeat those two lines while the rest of the prayer was going on. While that happened, my, the vibrations came, my body was lifted um, into the air and I was freaking out because <laughs> it was light and I could feel losing gravity, turned over, placed back down. And while it was being placed down, I felt all these million, millions of fingertips working on my knee. And I was petrified, beautiful, but petrified because I was totally awake. So I was in an insane mind, if you like, mortal consciousness, mm-hmm. where this is, this is crazy, this, is, this, is, this shouldn't be happening. Even though I had all those astral experiences, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't tempered by being in astral state. So I, I, I aborted, I screamed. But I was still, you know, after 10 days, I was off my crutches and, you know, they thought I'd definitely have to have an operation because something was ripped and I didn't have to have one. So it healed quickly. So you can, um, you can, I mean, it's interesting because I was awake and I remember feeling these hands come around my ankles about to take me. But I thought, how can this be? I'm fully awake. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? I was a bit of a wimp. So when, um, you're a bit of a whip. So when you said that you were lifted up and turned over, your physical body was lifted physical up. Body, and turned, physical woo-hoo, body. Physical body. That sounds pretty cool. It was okay. Cool. So you're in your you're in the waking experience of this three D experience, but you were having. Yeah, you were. Yeah. It's. I'm just thinking John of God in Brazil. You know, I'm thinking oh, healers. Okay. I'm thinking. It's when two worlds collide. It's two um, worlds collide is a good well, way to say it. Well, I guess that they're never separate, but when you're experiencing it, that's, you know, sort of miraculous healings when angels come and, yeah. you know, laser out cancers or, yeah. you know, the, those sort of physical operations that happen before your eyes when the people, beings in the other realms are actually working on your body. And you wonder why, like why then, why now? For, for me, it gave me a tremendous faith because once again, that whole uh, question mark of is that all there is? I mean, even though I'd had all these experiences, I was often thinking this reality, hmm. Um, so for me, that, that gave an extra amplitude to this reality because that was the two worlds colliding. And I thought, well, what, what's possible here? Yeah, what I else? Remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was um, living in Spain, I used to often meet my cat who was still in Australia because cats astral travel a lot as you can imagine because they sleep a lot and they're in there they're often in their energy field so uh and i remember once feeling him in the astral and knowing that oh wow i could i could teleport this cat with enough energy i could teleport him i could bring him to spain but i was thinking of the customs and the um (laughs) 
Well, that, persons wouldn't have to know. They were just like, just some stray cat on the beach I found. Um, yeah, you were having the experience of feeling him physically mm, enough oh, yeah. that you thought, if I kept focused on this, I could yeah. literally bring the rest of the particles of his body into this into another yeah, place on earth which is similar to the healing scenario so i think that right, if yeah. we have enough of our i even tried this um on my wife i remember she had a sore leg and i said look do you mind if i go astral and just call in healing see what happens and um i i went out of body and i saw her just out of body. When people sleep, they often go just out of body. So they're kind of hovering just above the yeah. body, like their astral bodies just sort of hanging there. Is that? Yep, just hanging there, lolling there, like with lolling. eyes closed, you know. And okay. then, and then I said, okay, um, I didn't know what to say. I just said, look, could I have some healing energy for her knee? I didn't have to be clever. And then I, there was, I thought I was waiting for something to come from above. You know, I didn't know. Then her, her, her leg. I just felt this explosion of light from within her leg. Now, what was interesting was she woke up screaming in the physical, which woke my astral body, which woke my physical body. So the whole thing was a scream affair. But then I said to her, which was good to see it happen in that way live. Now, what happened was a little hole opened up in her leg. Now, for the next year, she'd had scarring there from an accident. For the next year, all this calcified scar tissue came out and these dermatologists were picking it out. After a year, it closed over and then the pain which it had since she was three years old but it w was gone but it was it was a brutal healing um i remember she was saying thanks a lot <laughs> it was a whole a hole literally opened up in a leg when that light came out so let me ask you why didn't the healing just happen instantly why did it take a year did you ask well guide well i think there was a lot of it was massive scar tissue from a, from a from a, a, a leg that had been run over by a truck as a three-year-old. So I think there was a lot of stuff they would pull out. It needed to be physically taken out for whatever reason. But what was interesting was whether that could have just disappeared. Um, I think it also depends on the, on the recipient's um, notion of what reality is as well. That's what I got when I asked the questions, because obviously when I ask you a question, I get the answers from my mom yeah. as well. Uh, um, they, they might need to have physical They said it was... Evidence. Yes. It was like time we get so caught up with time you know what is a year to us is like almost instantaneous in, the, in their reality mm -hmm. anyway but uh, our experience in time is is directly related to our belief systems like we need to have that experience for that length of time in order to say this is actually happening this is to actually ground happening. It, to ground it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's amazing. You can have amazing spiritually transformative experiences and, and, and create miracles and then go back into doubt like two weeks later. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah. you yeah. know, I went over to see John of God in Brazil, oh, I don't know, almost 20 years ago now with some girlfriends and one of them elected to have a physical uh, operation where she was cut and she has this lovely big scar on her belly that will stay there for the rest of her life and i asked my guys like why would you want the scar like what why is that you know, hmm. necessary it's not necessary to have that scar no. but it's a reminder that that happened so it's a physical reminder that this is possible you know because we get so lost in the what yeah. did you call the 3d mind what did you call it, it was great insanity insanity, insanity. <laughs> I see we, it that way. We get so deluded by the insanity we that we just forget that we're powerful. We forget yeah. that amazing things. 
And so to have a scar is just that reminder or maybe mm. to have a year of scar tissue coming out is a reminder that this is happening. This is possible. Yeah. yeah. I, think you, I think you're spot on there. I think, and I think a lot, because I often wonder as an energy healer myself, some people have dramatic instant kind of reactions and other people don't. I figure, well, you know, and as you know yourself, when, you, when you're dealing with that stuff, you don't control, you're sort of there. And, but I, I think to myself, it's interesting. I think, what's it all about? You know, well, where is the karmic play? Is it that person's own waking up in their own timeline? Mm. Um, and, you know, and you see many people really associate themselves to be uh, the, the sickness as an aspect of themselves, you know. Yeah. Um, even those who aren't victim mentality, but there's this feeling of, yeah, they see it as very real. And I, I, and I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm lucky to a certain um, extent, but um, because I genuinely don't see this as real as, as the, the higher realized reality. So um, it can be played with. And, and having that, that levitation thing and that kind of miraculous thing happen really kind of um, made me feel more playful in this reality. I feel I see it as an interplay. It's not a separate thing. It's an interplay. Okay, so that would answer the question, how does having out-of-body experiences help you when you're in body? And um, because that's the whole point of it really, isn't it? Because here we are, we're here, we're in yeah. these bodies, we're having these experiences, um, physical experiences. It, would, it makes you feel more playful, more More joyful. playful. And, and also I think actually more grounded. I realise I'm grounding into another reality. I feel I'm not grounded into what I call the illusory reality because the reality of 3d is absolutely beautiful it's very um touchable uh, the smells and and i mean you know of course and it's been said but nature is a is a beautiful thing i like to love to get out i find that um my mind is probably more simple than it used to be i'm kind of um uh, i do enjoy this reality but not a lot of people say oh i can't say this reality i say what do you mean they go oh the mortgage and politics and i go that's not this reality what do you so yeah. a lot of people are grounded into kind of um, a pessimistic um, reality. Um, it's, it's like I feel that, you they're, know. They're grounded in fear. They're grounded they in fear. They are grounded in fear. You know, worrying about any worry, any stressful thought is rooted yeah. in fear. It's like yeah, I can't have right. what I want. Um, okay, so something that you said a while ago uh, about this is a karmic reality, you know, this is, a, this is about karma and karmic reality. You know, my guide said when you said that was because we're now shifting out of that interplay yeah, nice. of having to come back and do it again and do it again. Because yeah, yeah. as I said, we talk about time. Why does it take a year to heal your wife's leg and not a nanosecond? Why, you know, it can take some people lifetimes, mm. lifetimes to get one thing and it can be just forgiveness. And they kind of keep, and that that refusal to see the non-duality and to keep focusing on your right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that refusal to see it just keeps bringing them back. So when we are in this dimension and we see what you're seeing, like we see the unconditional instead of the conditional, we see the play, we see the Leela, we've instantly released any karma. Yeah, I think so because it's kind of beyond psychoanalysts. You know, it's sort of like, it's just, it's non-verbal. A lot of it's non-verbal, even though you hear kind of stuff, but it's kind of like realization. So it's just through direct, direct, direct touch. realization, realization yeah. that you, you come back each time changed. 
you know, and, but, but it is a transformation because it can be confusing at first, but I think like I didn't have guidance when I was going through it. And, um, you know, I, I was, you know, um, sometimes it was tricky going out night after night and having to engage with certain beings who were really testing me on a certain level. Uh, but then when, you know, empathy flow and all this kind of stuff. So, um, I think you're right. I think, um, transcending we, the fight, it's transcending the fight. There is no fight. Yeah. There's so no fight. Even, even if the fight's not, you know, not with the mortgage or the bank or your husband or That's your right. wife, you know, even if the fight's with the aliens that are going to come and attack That's us. Right. Because, so what I see in the new age kind of realm mm -hmm. is that people take their human construct and then place it on all this stuff that they learn you know like oh, yeah. so you know th this is going to get me and i'm going to fight this i'm going to fight whatever they're still in the fight and there's no fight no that's right there's this no. resistance thing or that they, 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 they're in love with that they're in love with this notion of us and them yeah it's funny us isn't it? and them. okay so you touched on it briefly but i want to go back to it some of the alien people alien et extra dimensional uh, higher consciousness you know what do we call them we, we you know mm. classically we've called them aliens here it's a terrible Earth. word out here though isn't it it's, it's just fraught with that it's fraught with this separation like separation. you're an alien you're different to me and um they're not different to us at all they're just the same same yeah, spark yeah. of divinity just having a yeah. different sort of experience really yeah yeah so you, you said that you came across some ones that had different emotion and you thought that they felt cold but um but that was do you want to just expand on that experience that you had yeah it was it was pretty cool i go out night after night there was elevators turned up at the when i was living in melbourne elevators turned up at the end of my bed night after night astral elevators astral elevators go figure I, I get and i get in i go up these elevators and and at each level there'd be eyes looking at me sometimes like through a slit like like a nib kelly kind of thing in the elevator and sometimes pairs of eyes. And then um, I come out in this room and there was um, a, a long table and all these people around the table, men and women, who looked human, right. but they weren't human. Nobody spoke verbally. Mm -hmm. And I thought they were cold-hearted. I thought, oh, this is, this is a bit of a freezer. And um, they would talk about issues and everyone had talk. And I had no idea what they're talking about. I had no idea what they were talking about. I was sitting there... And there were concepts coming at me. I was trying to grab onto the concepts. I had no idea. That's all I can say. Then, then I, and this was night after night. And then it, can't, it came my turn to talk. And I was thinking, I had no idea what I'm going to say. Then what came out was um, I talked very lucidly on the state of affairs, um, the, um, it was like the unequal distribution of, of, I don't know, like wealth and food on the planet and all of this. I was talking about the planet in such clear and precise terms about the state on the earth. And they're looking at me very, and they're looking at me with these eyes that were very clear. And I noticed because I was always analyzing the phenomenon once again. So I thought, well, this is interesting. This stuff's coming out of me. I don't even have to be involved. They're looking at me and this information seems to just be pulled out of the top of my head. And I'm hearing the words as they go out. And they're looking at me and I'm realizing that they've got, I realize they're not cold hearted. They just have no egos. There's no filter. There's no ego whatsoever. There's no need for any kind of fil filtration system around there. They have got no egos. Okay. They had, they had no emotional bodies. That was the feeling they were. And so a lot of the, um, when I say emotional body, I mean emotions that, that are triggerable and need to be healed. 
I get so, it. I, I'm getting this. I, I don't know why yeah. I'm getting it, but I'm getting it. You are getting it's it. It's like the ego. <laughs> the ego is the part of us that needs someone to be nice to us, yeah. that needs someone to be kind, yeah. right? That's yeah. the ego needing that. It's like if, if a waitress comes up to you and says, can I take your order? And she doesn't smile at you and, and say something you think she's rude, but she's actually just doing her job. So the ego is, right. is, is like... You need to be nice to me. But when you, when you transcend yeah. ego, you kind of just get things done. Stuff just gets done. <laughs> it gets done. The ego, the ego is insatiable and it really, it really is, I believe, and I know I'm harping a bit about this, but the emotional body plays in its favor. Plays Say that again? The, the emotional body plays in the ego's favor very much, very much. You know, and, and so I remember asking one ET um, who was a strange looking being, um, I said, a bit kind of blank, really, a bit like a gray kind of what we call. And I said, what, oh, it just came out of me. Um, why don't you have a sense of humor? <laughs> and the voice that came back was like through um, like an electrical kind of really weird. And, and it said that he said, um, because we don't need coping mechanisms. <laughs> I thought that's a bit brutal. <laughs> I mean, like a sense of humor. But that particular breed of alien, that particular breed of alien, which was not, um, a lot of these greys are not actual, um, they're kind of um, synthetic beings. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this yeah. was a synthetic being. It, was, it had no um, aura. It, it was a synthetic. Would you say it had no soul? Yeah. Was it kind of like a fleshy AI, like a? Yeah, that's right. It was. It was. It was like you know, wet, wet biological AI kind of thing. So, it, biological AI, yeah. Wet yeah, and I, I just love the answer. You know, we don't have. At least it was honest. Don't need coping mechanisms. Mechanisms loved it. I, I don't know if, you know, obviously we do. humor we do. can, but <laughs> we humor do. can be a coping mechanism. But it's not the only purpose of humor. Um, no. You know, like Susie was saying with her ET friends that they were joking with her in, 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 in a very E.T. way, you know, sort of yeah. like laughing at the human, her human consciousness. And, yeah. um, and they were greys, uh, a, a little greys. But, you know, there's obviously as many little greys as there are different little greys as there I are. I think there are, yeah. Humans. And, yes. uh, okay, so we don't need coping mechanisms. That's also, these humans I visited, um, I really liked in the end, um, or they looked like humans but they weren't humans that they they had zero zero humor but they had a lot of heart <laughs> I remember, zero humor. remember the last time I, I when i i when i had to leave and not go back i didn't want to go that was that was a real turning point for me i said i'm not leaving because i really like oh. being around these dudes they they as i said they had no ego um but what i want to ask is what were you doing there so you're having an astral experience where you're you get in an elevator you go up and you're hanging out in this table with all these people who are having this amazing discussion night after night night after night so it just says to me that you're actually already there and then your human awareness or your human astral form is like catching up to another aspect of you a multi-dimensional aspect of you that's actually already that lives there that kind of is there well said is that what was happening? Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, and so that human mind is watching it through the human mind. And then when you're asked to speak, that person, that aspect of you is speaking or sort of trans, 
muting, emitting energy um, conversation or information or whatever. And then, but you're still in your human mind sort of that's what astral awareness yeah astral awareness astral awareness is really just your human mind right um interfacing with higher aspects of ourself okay there you go so for some reason our 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 higher self is permitting us to bring this back so it may it may destroy some people's world worldview it may destroy them so that they can't function and in the beginning which is why most of us can't do it or don't that's right well in the beginning i did find it difficult to function, I've got to right. say, okay. I did find it difficult to function because I was just um, craving these higher realities for how they felt, how this free, feeling of freedom. I'd come right. back and it was like coming back into clay. And, it was and like not wanting to be here. Yeah, like, that's right. That's that's what a lot of near death experiences say as well. When you, yeah, when you yeah. experience what it feels like to be in that freedom and that bliss, and then you come back into this mind. Yeah. Then you're kind of like, do I want to be here? I know. I've got to tell you a really funny thing. At a workshop once, there was this um, this Buddhist um, monk came to right. one of my astral workshops, an interesting guy, and he just sort of at the very end of it, he just said nothing. He just said, "Must be hell for you being here." <laughs> <laughs> wow! And he gave me a shock. This is a couple. Of years ago. I actually got a shock. I thought, "Oh wow!" He said it with, and I thought, I thought about. It. I said, "Well." Now that I genuinely don't see it as real, I see it as a game. I mean, I feel like invisible. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I feel I allow the universe. To, the, the universe is experiencing itself through us. What else is there? Exactly. And what the, else is there? And what else is it? And the higher aspect of us is actually choosing to be yeah, here. So there, that choice in being here is wanted. It's yeah. wanted. And, 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 and exactly. And also, I think. You know, in society, this this phenomenal fear of death, we don't talk about it. And, and to experience, like, as I said, I had this astral experience where I was, you know, I know the room, I was drowning in my own blood. and Oh, oh you froze. All righty. We had a minor interruption. Modem cut out for some reason, but we're back. So we were talking about uh, you were having an astral experience, uh, experiencing some sort of death. Yeah, yeah, no, this, this, this whole experiencing death in the astral was interesting. So it was a request from my higher self for me <laughs> to experience this. So it was like in this form and um, basically I really recognized that I was drowning in blood and trying to pull myself up on, on, on a bed in a room that I didn't recognize, but I will recognize if I'm ever there. So is this, your, is, this the, is this them showing you your death in this lifetime or well, in another lifetime? It, it was in this body. Okay. So whether or not that was, um, yeah, well, that's what they showed me anyway. So if I see the room, I'll go the other way just to play silly buggers. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it was full on um, because, you know, I was drowning in blood and I knew it. I had to experience it. I went through it. Um, my heart was pounding in my astral chest. Here I was, you know, in a physical body. It felt dying knowing that this was an astral experience but still i had to let go i remember saying to myself let go let go then when i came to once again it was very ecstatic so you know it's this feeling of being shown you know this greatest mortal fear we have is is that of annihilation and and when you know that you don't you know so it goes beyond death doesn't it it's this notion that we will not exist is an underlying fear of many humans so even though they know deep down that it's not the case you know people talk about 
passing over, moving on, all this kind of stuff. People know it, but uh, it's not really discussed, not really, not on a visceral level. So I think for me, um, not having a genuine fear of that state means that I can actually enjoy this life more because it's transient, um, but it's also very playful realm. You know, it's, it's an energy realm. I mean, it's purely game of energy really, but it is a realm of doing too. I think 3d, you know, we, we have to like in an astral, you can, you can ask for a chocolate ice cream. It's a perfect chocolate ice cream. You have no idea of the recipe. Whereas here we, we tend to have to know if you're going to make it, you have to put in, put in the ingredients <laughs> yeah. to a certain level, you know? So I guess it's a realm of doing to a, to a degree. And I think I've come to terms with that. And um, so, um, but then to allow the doing to come from being, I think a lot of people define themselves through being a good person and doing that and, and sort of they define themselves from what they do. Like, Oh, that, that person is that because they do that. Whereas yeah. ideally we, we doing would emanate from being and, and therefore it, it's, it, it goes this notion of being no fight. There's a, there's no resistance. Sure. Sometimes there's zones that are uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean, you know, to do zero. Um, but I think for things that we do to, to, ideally flow from being so i think a lot of the illusion people who are grounded in the illusion are doing things that are not congruent with their being and that's why they're unwell you know to simplistic i mean a lot of people are simply unwell because what they're doing is not congruent with who they are um the insanity the insanity the insanity and and that is it is a system absolutely that, you know that has um you know we've been we've been um conditioned to do things yeah. and there's just so much conversation out there about you know what do you want to be what do you want what do you want to be it's not what your father wants or your society yeah. wants or your religion wants or your parents want or your husband wants or your wife wants it's 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 how do you want to feel what do you want to be yeah, yeah. and um that's a conversation that's just huge on our planet because we've had it all mixed up if i do that then I'll be happy. Or if I do that, then I'll be celebrated and then I'll be happy. Or if I do that, then people will think I'm a nice person and then I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we it's just have it so mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Instead right, it's of the like, go for the happy first. And then from that happy place, you know, doing becomes effortless. Uh, you know, I actually learned that with housekeeping as a young wife, I was like, I do everything, you know, I do all the cooking, I do all the housework. It's the cry of the, of the, modern housewife and I run a business you know why aren't you helping me and um, when I decided that I just really enjoy my home I just love my home like cleaning it was is effortless it's not about I'm doing this like pat me on the back I'm such a good person it's like I want to do it and and that's what you know action from being it's like when you yeah. When you decide who you want to be, then action is effortless. Yeah. Totally, and I think I think that's the way it should be. So I think um, I think I think the illusion. I think, and I'm not being cynical, but the illusion is a great teacher because the mainstream, if you like, what it beams at us is the opposite. <laughs> so I think what I, what I've learned is that essentially, you know, uh, the illusion teaches us what is not, and 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 I'm not being cynical about that. I mean, it's just a, a very good guide. And um, that is not grounding. People who say, you know, you're not grounded in, into that. Oh, you know, thank God I'm not grounded into that. <laughs> so your message, we're going to wrap this up now because I don't know, my internet's going to be like holding out. <laughs> <laughs> your message, what would your 
most important message be to people with all the experiences you have? And we haven't even touched on half of them. I guess that's mm. get the book. You just have to that's buy right. the book. I'll put my affiliate link on my website if you want to, you know, support the yeah. show. You can go to yeah, my for sure. go to the link. It's in YouTube. I'll show, uh, I'll show you. Um, or iTunes and uh, buy Greg's book. That's how it looks, by the way. So it's just, um, and there's a, what you mean, the back. So look, it's, it's, that's just a fun story about how it all happened. Plus there's a few tips. I think what, what would my, be my, um, uh, it's a good point. I think, um, I think to, to find playfulness again in this reality and, um, don't take it all so to hard and, and so seriously and, and, and try not to be offended so easily and, and just kind of, um, you know, there's so much um, information in uh, the world around us, you know, in trees and nature. And I know it's can sound cliche, but I find um, touching base with that reality is really beautiful. You know, like just going out, putting my feet on the ground, I just find, oh, wow, I just feel great. And I find that I'm more likely to have inspired thoughts and um, astral experiences. So it's, you know, and often in dreams, there are little um, like guides, there are things in dreams that can be animals or, or beings or rocks that are very lucid and I'll use them as astral vortexes. It's interesting to go into state. So I find that the world of nature around us, that the, the, the unconditional world, you know, the world, the world that storms all around us and doesn't care what's in the way is kind of an unconditional thing. It's not playing with us in many ways in, in the way that we, we play with the, the, the human realm. So it's, I, know, it's, I once heard someone say the sun rises every morning and never asks you to thank it. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Well, it wasn't actually me that said it. Somebody else said but, it. But it's, but it's, but it's, a, it's a very good. It's a very good point. It's the unconditional world. Yeah, nature. You know, is, yeah. Ask for your thanks. Yeah. No. Nah, nor does yeah. it say sorry. Nor does it say sorry when the storm. Yeah, exactly. When the tornado wrecks your house, it doesn't say yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. So, and even though we would take offence to that, so I think that um, I think to be more playful, and I find that. Um, yeah, just carrying this question mark of what is this? And in a playful way, once again, and you're often likely to take that into the other realms, you know, the nether realms, if you like. And there, when you start to, I mean, everything is set in our favor. The, all the glitches in our systems are set in our favor. If you ask yourself, am I dreaming in a dream? Mm. You'll know you're dreaming. So there are all these, everything is set in our favor. When you go out there, it's such a beautiful, benevolent vibe from the universe that you realize that there is no evil, there's no fight, all this stuff. So it, it tends to suggest playfulness, doesn't it? And, and that anything is possible and to tap into that. So uh, you know, direct connection is what we're all aiming at. And that's yeah. where the bliss comes. And that's, that's inspiration. And, it's yeah. so true. I, you know, I've met some really wealthy people in my time and they see the whole money thing as play. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're right. Like a game. It doesn't yeah. like lose money, make money. Doesn't matter. It's just a game. Yeah. yeah. And you know, to have that attitude inside this three-dimensional system makes this world so much more enjoyable. Oh, for it's all sure. It's all a game. It's all a game. Transcend the yeah. fight. Oh, yep. beautiful. Such a gorgeous message. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank obviously, you. I'll have your website under the YouTube, but for people listening on iTunes and other places, where can they get in contact with you? Yes, at gregdoyleastral.com. And obviously, you teach people how to be a bit more deliberate with their astral journeys. I wouldn't mind coming up, but you're doing that in person. So for people yeah. that are, you know, overseas, they're not in Australia or not in Brisbane, how 
I mean, you can do Reiki sessions, but can you do, can you teach someone on the internet how to be more in touch I, with their... I, I do every week. I, I do Skype sessions. Um, oh, okay, cool. All over the place, um, even in the Arctic Circle. Wow. <laughs> but so, so yeah, you can. And, and um, people have personal ones, but also over Skype. And I've got a, um, I just tune in and, and work out techniques that people can use that, that fit them. There are so many different techniques of gaining access to these to these realms. And I've also got an, an online course coming on soon where people can wear all these videos and they can access it when they want. So this is oh, something awesome. on my website coming up soon. So do you still play music? A little bit. Got, got a piano recently. I used to play the violin. I, look, I sold my violin to a student years ago when I was um, still involved with music. And um, no, I don't. I, I'll, I'll probably return back to it a bit because, you know, when something's been a profession, it's sort of, you know, um, but we've got a piano recently and I like to tinker around on that. So it's nice. It's good. So to play that. music with a sense of more play and fun than have to make a career, make money, be successful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. thanks again greg pleasure thank you karen thank you another wonderful show with the gorgeous greg doyle isn't he fascinating he talks so fast i had to slow him down a bit he's got so many more things to share like always we were chatting about lots of things after i turn the recording off and i i always think i should keep the recording running when we're chatting but we were talking about his experiences versus Cyrus experiences, how Cyrus sort of goes to second earth. If you've read the book Awakened by Death, you'll read Cyrus's chapter. He talks about his second earth, how he, you know, he could hang out with his mother who had left her physical body and she was in this realm. But Cyrus does tend to go to one realm, whereas Greg goes to all over the place. He goes, you know, as you say, he goes up to ET, you know, planets and all sorts of places. It's fascinating. Also wanted to talk to Jürgen Zieber, who's another extensive astral traveller, who is a German man who lives in the UK. So we've been chatting online about having a conversation about his experiences too. And yeah, as I said with Greg, the whole point of it is how to enjoy our life more while we're in this experience. It's not about getting out of this experience, but how those experiences can help us enjoy this experience more. We can become more playful more relaxed, more at ease, more allowing, as Esther Hicks would say, which means we become better manifestors of our reality. And uh, we, yeah, we can enjoy life on planet Earth. Thanks again for joining me for another show, Accentuating the Positive. And remember, if you want to meet any of the guests I have on the show, I invited Greg into the inner sanctum. He'll probably come on towards the end of the year and you can ask him questions and how to astral travel yourself and have different experiences. I know a lot of people would like to astral travel because maybe they'd like to hang out with their, you know, if a loved one passes over, you can go hang out in another reality with them and um, continue the relationship. I think we're all doing it all the time, actually. It's just how do we remember that we're doing it? That's the trick. How do I remember? How do I remember? So that's what I'm going to focus a little bit more on in the morning remembering those journeys at night and uh thanks again for joining me love you all bye for now <laughs>